Hey church family, welcome to Take Heart. My name is Luis Ramirez and just want to encourage you today with a small devotional found out of Psalm 23. And so my question to us or the title of our devotion today is, Who is your shepherd? And so many of you all know Psalms 23 very well. Uh, it's a psalm that uh, the youngest of our babes can uh, interpret it and receive it. And it's uh, also a psalm that is so deep that our theologians can drown in the intensity of the amount of uh, meat, spiritual meat, if you will, <clears throat> that can be found in it. Um, it's unfortunately used many times just in funerals and in sad scenes in movies and whatnot. Um, but this psalm, and I know you would agree with me, it's not for the dead. It's for you and I, the living. And so we're going to take out of it uh, some encouragement. We're going to take some lessons uh, out of shepherds and sheep. And uh, one of the things that I remember this psalm uh, being read by George Bush um, right after 9-11 to comfort the nation. And I, do you remember after 9-11 how full the churches were and how people called out and cried out to God? And I see that happening many times uh, in, in today's day. And so uh, let's, let's dive in. And um, just to give you a little bit of a, uh, the central theme of the 23rd Psalm, is the everlasting number one protection and guidance of the lord you see it's meant to bring comfort to believers knowing that the lord is present in their lives in their situations in their valleys right as we're going to read um, you see it also reminds us that he the lord is the one that provides he restores he provides forgiveness he uh, gives us in abundance and that because he is present in our lives, we really um, are at a place where we don't have to fear and we can trust him. And so, you know, the question is, who is your shepherd? And biblically speaking, the beautiful thing is that the Lord himself, uh, out of John 10, 11, he tells us who he is. And in verse 11 of chapter 10 in John, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives life for the sheep. And later on in verse 14, he says it again. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. And that's beautiful because the title there is he is a good shepherd. But not only that, he is a great shepherd. Hebrews 13, 20 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. He is that great shepherd. Amen. And lastly, Peter, in 1 Peter 5, 4, calls him the chief shepherd. And when the chief shepherd appears, it says, You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away and I believe that we can cling on to a good shepherd a great shepherd a cheap shepherd he is not a rena shepherd he is not a wannabe shepherd he knows 
who he is and he wants you and I to cling on to that and to trust him without fear. And so <clears throat> before we read this psalm, you know, today people are scattered like sheep without a shepherd. You know, they're trying to cope with death, sickness, unemployment, anxiety, uh, depression, uh, suicide, uh, hunger, um, mental illnesses are, are rising, divorce, uh, backsliding from faith, and um, a divided church. And so, yes, these things are painful. These things are difficult. Um, some might say it's a reason to be fearful. Um, and some of these are not even related to the pandemic we're living through, but it's fed by fear of the unknown. And so you might ask, well, what does all of this have to do with me? And one of the things that I am noticing too, and unfortunately it's happening even within the church, is that um, sometimes we, as a society, we're not seeing things as an emergency if it's not affecting us directly, if, as if it's not affecting our own family. And so we're inconvenienced, we're bothered, right? Um, because we're having to be locked down. And we will ask why someone else other than you and I uh, can't go and provide the aid, uh, can't go um, to protect the weak and the vulnerable uh, or to be there for them, right? And so my encouragement to us as we read Psalms 23 is don't fear the will of God. He is a sovereign God. He is in control and more importantly, by the time we're done with these little six verses, I want you to know that he loves you and he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Um, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, amen? And so, what is the heart behind this? Um, Matthew 9, 36 says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them them being the, the crowds, the multitudes, you and I, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. And so let's examine our hearts. Let's check our compassion tool in our tool bag. Uh, the word compassion is made out of two words uh, in the Latin, con, meaning with, passion. And this it gives you the idea or the sense it includes the desire to take actions that will alleviate another person's distress compassion means to suffer together so here we go turn to the 23rd psalm verse 1 and it says a psalm of david the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
And so it's just beautiful. So much that we can get out of that. We couldn't even get out of verse 1 for an hour or two if we wanted to. And it's just beautiful because when I ask you, who is your shepherd? Sometimes when we fear, we have to ask ourselves, what is the root of that? You know, and sometimes right now we are in a pandemic. We are being quarantined and it's the gyms are closed and many of us have broken away from our workout routine and I think it's gonna be funny the first day back at the gym oh it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt bad but uh, let's not disattend uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit you can go out and walk you can do exercise but more importantly our spiritual muscles let's not wait to gather together at church to encourage one another spiritually, to open the word, to exercise our spiritual muscle. And so when I ask, who is the Lord, your shepherd? <clears throat> you know, we read here that he feeds his flock. He is a good shepherd. Psalm 95, seven tells us, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice. Are you hearing God's voice today? Maybe you're telling Luis, I, I, I don't feel close to God. I feel distant. I'm not hearing his voice. And so what I want you to do, I'm going to give you a little homework out of Ezekiel 34 verses 1 through 17. Um, it's very clear that we have a good shepherd, but this is an uh, an encounter where we find shepherds that weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And in that first 17 verses of that chapter, the Lord kind of takes over the rain and says, well, if you're not willing to do it, I will gather my own. I will mend my broken sheep. And so verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does I shall not want even mean? Well, that means that all my needs are supplied by the Lord. And it also gives the indication of that I am deciding not to desire more than what the Lord, my shepherd, is going to give. There's a tranquility about that. There's a peace. There's a contentment. Verse 2, it says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. One thing that we're going to learn about sheep is that they don't lie down easily. Uh, they're frightened. They're uh, sketchy. They're, some of them are dirty. They can't scratch themselves and clean themselves. Uh, but one of the things that they don't do naturally is lie down. And so he makes us lie down. And so here's King David writing a psalm. Maybe this was before he was a king. But it says, The Lord as a shepherd knew how to make David rest when he needed it. And I'm going to ask you, are you a busybody and you just need to rest? Let's rest at the feet of the cross. Let's rest at the Lord's feet. Just as a literal shepherd would care for his sheep, the implication is that the sheep doesn't always know what it needs and what is best for itself, so it needs help from the shepherd. You see, uh, a book that I read a couple years ago by Philip Keller is uh, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. I encourage you to read it. It's a great, great book. And it says that sheep don't lie down easily and it will and will not unless four conditions are met. Because they are timid, they will not lie down if they're afraid. 
Because they are social animals, they will not lie down if there is friction among the sheep. Is there friction in your home that you've been cooped up with all your relatives? <laughs> if, if flies or parasites trouble the sheep, they will not lie down. Finally, if sheep are anxious about food or hungry, they will not lie down. So rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with fear, friction, flies, and famine. And I love that. I love that because it's he who leads us to still waters. And we're going to learn as to where we could find that green pasture and that still water later on. Verse 3, it says, he restores my soul. So David's soul was restored by the figurative green pastures and still waters um, that the shepherd brought him to. And so this also gives us the idea of the rescue of a lost one. Have you ever lost a toddler at a mall or at a big multi-crowd event? Um, and then when you reunite, that is the restoration, right? If you're at peace. So let's go to the green pastures and still waters that our shepherd takes us to. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so a shepherd, not only was he there tending to the sheep, but he's a guide. The sheep, you see, just like you and I, we don't need to know where the green pastures or still waters are. All we need to know is where our shepherd is. Likewise, the Lord would guide David to what he needed from a young man to his battles with giants to his reign in a kingdom. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, a valley suggests being hedged in and surrounded. From a military standpoint, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. But a shepherd knew where greener pastures and still water was. You see, when it rains, the valley will gather up that water and bring it down. And it usually will come down to a point where it will dam itself and create a still water for sheep to be able to drink. It is a valley of the shadow of death, it says. And so it's not facing death itself, but it says, did you understand there? A shadow of death. Well, what does that even mean to you and I? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever been bitten by the shadow of a dog? Uh, have you ever been run over or hit by the shadow of an 18-wheeler? No. It, it, so it, it's casting its dark, fearful outline, but you and I can, can walk through that. It's a shadow. And so let's see what we got here. The other thing is that there is a promise in there. It says, yea, though I walk through. So if you're walking through, you're not running, you're not hiding from it, but there is a promise that you will walk through. And the reason why you're walking through is we're walking at the pace of our shepherd. And so this is not permanent. So it's a temporary, it's a test. And so we might say that the shepherd's presence did not eliminate the presence of evil, of wolves and bears and things that might attack the sheep, but certainly the fear of evil. 
And why? Why? Because the next part says it. For you, capital Y, are with me, and I will fear no evil. So it's it's significantly, it is at a dangerous moment pictured in the psalm that he, in this psalm, changes now how he speaks. And so it changes as he addresses the shepherd to you. The Lord as shepherd is now the second person. And it says, as we continue to read, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, let me ask you this. What comforts you when you are in fear? What comforts you when you feel alone, distressed? And so we look at this instrument that shepherds carry, and it could be two in one. It says your rod and your staff. And you see a staff is a shepherd's hook to guide a shepherd knows them by name, by their behavior, by their eating habits. And some of us have had bad eating habits during this time. Uh, but he, our shepherd knows us. Uh, and that staff is not for anything else than to guide us. Just as a shepherd would guide a sheep from a, a, a ravine or from uh, thickets and from where possible mountain lions would be. He's going to grab them gently and tenderly and bring them to the fold. And usually uh, we are told that a good shepherd would leave the 99 to go after the one. If that one is so stubborn, um, shepherds knew how to mend and tend to the sheep to the point where if the sheep would continuously leave the 99, the rest of the group, it would cut its legs knowing that he would be able to carry it, to mend the leg and restore it back. And guess what happens when we get healed? Many of our church members, we are a bunch of messed up sheep with some bone uh, fractures in our past. But we know that just as God healed us and brought us into the fold, we are now faithful because we know him and we can hear his voice. So he's got a staff and he's got a rod. What's the rod? It's not to beat the sheep, but the predators, the little ones, the vulnerable ones, the sick. And to me, it was a picture of God's word. It's a double-edged sword. And a sword is an instrument or a weapon in the military in the Old Testament times. But in this case, it can be a guide for us as many of us call the Bible the basic instructions before leaving earth, but it also is our rod of correction. And the way that the Lord corrects you and I is very tender, very, very sweet, very gentle. And so verse five, it says, you prepare a table before me. And so when we're looking at a table, it takes us away a little bit out of the fields, out of the shepherd. Um, world view and now we're coming into as uh, when you invite a guest over you set the table with maybe a nice uh, linen you lay out your finest plates and you provide a meal that maybe took some time and some effort to prepare and this is uh, an invitation from our shepherd to you and I what do you want to partake in? Why do we call ourselves Christians? When we open the word, are we 
being fed by him. And it's so exciting because there's a personal connection there. There's an intimacy that he's inviting us to. Um, the awkward thing is that the next sent part of the sentence says, in the presence of my enemies. So have you ever taken time to stop and eat while you're being chased, while you're being frightened, or maybe you have literal enemies? There's no way you would do that. But here it gives us a picture of who we are putting our trust in. If our shepherd is with us, if he's setting the table, yeah, we could take time and eat before we handle the enemies because it's his issue, not yours and mine. And so I have a little note here that says, when a soldier is in the presence of his enemy, if he eats all, he snatches a hasty meal and away he hastens to the fight. But observe, thou preparest a table, just as a servant does when uh, she or he unfolds the damask cloth and displays the ornaments of the feast in an ordinary peaceful occasion. Nothing is hurried. There is no confusion. There is no disturbance. The enemy is at the door and yet God prepares you and I a table. And the Christian sits down and eats as if everything were in perfect peace. That's from Spurgeon. So not only that, he continues on in that verse to say, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. And man, I love that. Now he is a host, he's hosting a table. Now he's anointing our head with oil, our cup runs over. It's beautiful. And so let me see here, beloved, I will ask you now a question. How would it be with you if God had filled your cup in proportion to your faith? How much would have you have had in your cup? That's also asked of us by a famous theologian called Spurgeon. You see, oil on our head protects you and I from flies and from pestilence. In the shepherd's world, they anoint the sheep with oil because they get disease in their nose and flies start bothering them and eventually creating uh, infection. And so what does the sheep do? They don't have hands like you and I to scratch. So they start bumping their heads literally against walls and trees so much that they don't control themselves unto death at oftentimes or hurt themselves further. You and I sometimes do that. We bump ourselves against the, the walls because we're stubborn. We don't know where the healing comes from. And so we need to be anointed by oil. And oil is also a spiritual representation of the Holy Spirit in you and my life. It gives us discernment. It gives us conviction. It, uh, in, it motivates us to ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness to others and so it's nourishment back to our health and so verse 6 it says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life you see mercy is the covenant word rendered as a steadfast love elsewhere together with goodness it suggests the steady kindness and support that one can count on in the family or between firm friends and so that's beautiful because that tells us 
what we can experience here in our earthly bodies. There is that fellowship, right? And it's good. And God's mercies are new every morning for you and I. But then it gives us a, an eternal view as to why we should endure this race called life. And it says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our destination, guys. That is our hope, you know? And so that's why we need to speak out louder than ever about the good news, about our good shepherd, about our great shepherd, about our chief shepherd. You see, because we belong there. We're going to our father's house. And so I'm going to read a little bit out of John 10, and I will close with this. John 10, verses 24 through 30 says, Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt or quarantined? If you are the Christ, I added the quarantine part. Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. And here is the kicker, church. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. And that's a big blow. Are you, are, we have to know who our shepherd is. We have to know who he is and know his voice. It continues to say, as I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Let's not get snatched up by the media, guys. Let's not get snatched up by fear. Let's cling on to the Lord. Know who you belong to. If you are not hearing his voice, if you can't say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I pray for you. I pray that you would return, do a 180, and come back home so that you and I can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Until next time, God bless you guys. Stay strong. We'll see you here, there, or in the air.